Well, I don't know about you, I don't know how you're feeling right now, but I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed from that time in God's presence, that time of worship. And um, yeah, wow. So we're continuing our series today on prayer. And one of the things that's been overwhelming me uh, is just God showing, answering of prayers during that time this morning. Things that I've been praying for for years, just seeing happening, unfolding in front of my eyes this morning. So, yeah, amazing. So, we're uh, doing a series on prayer. Hopefully, you would have received the preaching card. And uh, today, we're continuing that. Just uh, want to flag up a couple of resources for you in terms of prayer. I'm going to refer to a few books this morning, but two particularly I want to flag up. Two very short books. This one, you can't really get much shorter than this. I mean, it barely is called a book, more of a booklet, but very helpful. Enjoy your prayer life. Really, really down-to-earth practical help in stirring uh, to prayer. You've got it up there as well on the screen by Michael Reeves. That's a, a good book, especially if you're someone who struggles to read lots. That's to the point and stirs you. And this is a book that uh, is very new indeed by someone in our group of churches, uh, the guy, who, Mike Betts, who leads Relational, Missional, Relational Mission, which is another sphere within New Frontiers. And he's written this book called The Prayers of Many, particularly looking at corporate prayer. So the importance of us praying together, because you know, we, it's important we pray on our own, but also we pray together and the power in that. And what he does is he uses various images and pictures to explore what corporate prayer is. So a helpful book there, hot off the press, only a few months old now. So that's that. And the last thing I wanted just to flag up in terms of resources is an app that I've been using since uh, the beginning of this year called Lectio 365. And it's by the 24-7 prayer people led by Pete Grieg. Um, And it's just a really helpful way of pausing with God. And you can use it at different points of the day. Personally, I'm using it first thing in the morning. Uh, and I do it with the audio so that it has pauses built into it. You can just read the text, but I'm doing it with the pauses. And it uses scripture, uh, has psalm each day and has a scripture from the New Testament and then just uses it as a, as a tool, an impetus to pray for different things. So that's uh, just something I'd flag up to help you. Because all of us, I think, are learning when it comes to prayer. I know I am, and you know, I've, been, I've known God for most of my life, but I'm still very much learning when it comes to prayer. And the point of why we're doing this series is to encourage you and inspire you. Because I think sometimes when we think about prayer, maybe we've tried it, we've, we've kind of got daunted by it, we, we then feel guilty because we're not doing it as much as we think we ought to do, and, and maybe we just kind of give up. And that is what the devil wants. He wants us to give up because he knows how powerful it is. He knows how powerful prayer is. When we speak to our Father in heaven, things change. And if he can stop us from doing that, he's won. But when we move into, the, into all that prayer is and really grasp it, things change. We change. So the point of doing this series is to encourage you and inspire you afresh to make prayer a priority, to broaden your thinking about what it involves as well, which is why we're looking at different aspects of it. And today we're going to be looking at asking, which is probably the aspect of prayer that we're most familiar with. 
And people often rush to say, well, it's not just about asking. No, it's not just about asking, but it certainly does include asking. So we're going to look at this idea of prayer involving asking God for things. And we're going to look at it from the Lord's Prayer, which is where we've been at the last couple of weeks. So I'm just going to reread the Lord's Prayer to you. This is something I'm sure you're very familiar with. But it's not just designed to be said as something we say by rote. It's supposed to be something that shapes and moulds the way we pray. So Jesus said to his disciples, when they asked him the question, how should we pray? What, how do we go about doing it? A question maybe we ask too. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we think about prayer being uh, asking God for things, it's important to remember we ask in the context and knowledge of the first bit of the Lord's Prayer, which is what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks and I'd encourage you if, you, if you missed it, if you weren't around, do listen to those on the website because they help set the scene for when we're interceding, when we're asking God for things. We ask in the knowledge and the understanding that the person we're asking is our Father in heaven. Holy is his name. You know, if we need to know who it is that we're coming to when we ask things. The fact that he is in heaven, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. And at the same time, he is our father. He delights in us, he loves us, as we were reminded afresh during our worship time today. Max Lucado, another book on prayer, which I'd thoroughly recommend, called Before Our Men, he says this, Most people suffer from small thoughts about God. In an effort to see him as our friend, we have lost his immensity. In our desire to understand him, we have sought to contain him. The God of the Bible cannot be contained. He brought order out of chaos and created creation. With a word, he called Adam out of dust and Eve out of a bone. He consulted no committee. He sought no counsel. He has no peer. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. The greatest kings have surrendered their crowns. Alexander the Great is a mound of dust in a tomb. The Queen of England is called Her Majesty, yet she must eat and bathe and rest. The true majesty, on the other hand, is never hungry. He never sleeps. He has never needed attention or assistance. From the tiniest microbe to the mightiest mountain, he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. He has authority over the world, and he has authority over your world, your sleep patterns, your eating habits, your salary, the traffic on your commute, the arthritis in your joints. God reigns over all these. He's never surprised. He has never, ever uttered the phrase, how did that happen? God's power is unsurpassed and his heart is unblemished. There is nothing deceitful in God, 
nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He has no hidden agenda or selfish motive. He loves with a good love and forgives with good forgiveness. Good as in beautiful, best, bountiful. God's goodness is a major headline in the Bible. I think I know why. If God were only mighty, we would salute him. But since he is merciful and mighty, we can approach him. No wonder the psalmist invited, taste and see that the Lord is good. A glimpse of God's goodness changes us. God's unrivaled goodness undergirds everything else we can say about prayer. If he is like us, only slightly stronger, then why pray? If he grows weary, then why pray? If he has limitations, questions and hesitations, then you might as well pray to the Wizard of Oz. However, if God is at once Father and Creator, holy, unlike us and high above, then we at any point are only a prayer away from help. When we come to God to ask him for things, it's so important that we take time to remind ourselves who it is we're coming to. And as Jesus taught, our Father in heaven. But it's also important to remind ourselves that before Jesus got to the talking about give us today our daily bread, he put in another thing to remind ourselves that we are to pray and cry out, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's committed to seeing his kingdom established, to increase his government, and that will see no end. That's what we were hearing about last week. So when we come to ask Father God, we're coming to ask him as Father God, who, who, holds, who is all-powerful, but also he's committed to seeing his kingdom come. And it's in that context that we come to ask of him. So this morning, I just want to very simply answer three questions. Why do we ask? What can we ask? And how should we ask? So first and foremost, why do we ask? Well, at a basic level... We, we need to ask because we need to. The reason why we should ask is because we need to. We are weak, fragile. We have limited resources. I know that might be news to some of you. You might think you are you know, the superman or woman of the world. But most of us know we have limitations, physically, mentally. We can't do everything. There are things that come our way that are beyond us. We need help. We need to because that's the way God has designed us and things around us. He's designed us in such a way that we need to look beyond ourselves. James, in his letter, wrote very simply, you do not have because you do not ask God. You can't get much more basic than that, can you? Why, do we, why should we pray? Well, because if we don't, we don't get things. You do not have because you do not ask God. And yet, by contrast, Jesus said in Luke 11, 9 to 13, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, 
we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why do we need to ask? Why should we ask? Because we need to. It's the way we're wired. We need to come to our Father and ask. And when we do, we can know, we get a response like Jesus taught there, that he is our Father who delights. You know, I have two children. If they come and ask me for things, I'm not going to give them something that's completely different and horrible. If it's in my power to do so, and I think it's going to be a good thing for them, I'm going to give it to them. And I'm faulty, and I don't get things right, but that's what I want to do. How much more does our perfect Heavenly Father want to do good things for us? Why else should we ask? Well, because God loves our prayers. He loves it when we come to him. He delights in them. Actually, when, by coming to him with our prayers... And asking for things, he, gets, he loves it, he delights in it. I love it when Joshua and Kezia come and ask me for things. And tell me about, you know, the, when they come and tell me about things that have been going on in their day, things that they've managed to achieve at school, and equally when they've got troubles. I don't want them to be carrying it and hiding it away. I want them to share it so that I can do something about it. That's a little bit about what, like what God is like for us. He loves to hear what it is that we're going through, good and bad stuff. Come and sit with your Father in heaven. Come and tell him about what's going on. He delights in it. We should also ask because it builds relationship. You know, by talking to our Father, we get to know him and him, and well, he knows us anyway, but we get to know more of him and it builds that relationship And it also demonstrates our reliance on God. By asking, we're declaring, I trust you, God. I'm not going to look to myself and my resources. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust you. You know, we see in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. Today, our daily bread. And what we've got in there is that daily choosing to humble yourself and come before Father God on a daily basis, that daily reliance. You know, when, when the Jewish nation was walking around the wilderness for 40 years, when they set out, when they started, they were grumbling They'd quickly forgotten just how amazing God's goodness was to lead them out of captivity. They were slaves in Egypt, and he brought them out. You might know the story from Exodus, or if you've seen the Prince of Egypt. He brought the Jewish people out, and he set them free. But then they got really grumbling, and they, they moaned at Moses, who was their leader, saying, you know, why have we come out this far just so that we can die of, of starvation and of thirst in the desert? Do something about it. So Moses talked to God, and God said, I'm going to provide. And the way I'm going to provide is I'm going to provide this special food called manna that you, you've never seen anything like it before, and actually we've never seen anything like it since. 
He said, I'm going to provide manna and I'm going to do it in such a way that it's going to be every single day the dew will fall on the ground and it will leave these this, this white flakes that you can then bake and cook into things. But it's going to be just enough for that day. Don't try and gather for tomorrow as well because it's not going to last. And actually some of them tried to and it got maggots and it smelled and it went off. But actually, they, each day they came and they gathered what they needed. There was that daily reliance. And Jesus picked up on this when he was teaching the Lord's Prayer. He said, you know, have that same attitude. You know, you can, we can so easily, especially in our Western world, we can hold all sorts of things and build up a buffer just in case those bad times come along. And yes, it's good to be prudent and wise with what we have. But God says, trust me, daily come to me. So why should we pray? Why should we ask? Because it demonstrates our trust in him, our reliance on him. It's a great way of battling pride and growing in humility. By coming to Father God and saying, help me in this. I trust you, I rely on you. So why should we ask? Well, we should ask because we need to, because God loves our prayers, because it builds relationship with him, and because it demonstrates our trust and reliance on him. Secondly, what can we ask? What can we ask? What sort of things can we ask for? What sort of things do you ask for? We can ask for things. Give us today our daily bread. Now we can ask for big things, we can ask for little things, we can ask for everything in between. We can ask for everyday things. You know, Jesus was very down to earth in what he taught in this model prayer. He said, give us today our daily bread. You can't get much more ordinary than bread. You know, he wasn't talking about an incredible gatto. He wasn't talking about some gourmet meal. He was just saying bread. He was saying, just come to God with your everyday needs. And they could be from a whole range of things, from very minute things. We think, can we even ask God that? Is he going to be interested to things that are absolutely massive? Could be for ourselves. Certainly for ourselves. Philippians 4, 5 to 7 says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything whether it's the little things or the big things, don't be anxious, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's what Paul says in Philippians there. Bring your request to God, whatever they are. Max Licardo in his book says, the moment you sense a problem, however large or small, take it to Christ. 
God is concerned about everything that you and I are concerned about. You know, there's times when I pull into a car park and think, I need to park somewhere, and I say, God, make a parking space appear. It's tiny. It's, it's pathetic in many ways. And, you know, you could easily say, well, why would God be interested? But it's something that I'm interested in, that I need to have a space, and he loves me, and I can cry out for little things like that. There's other times where I, I don't know where to go with my life. I don't know what to do. And I'm crying out for guidance. You know, just nearly, just over 15 years ago, we moved to Hatfield into the house we're still in. But the journey to Hatfield wasn't straightforward. We only lived an hour away in Essex, in Brentwood. But it took a long time. It was big for Liz and me. We were crying out, God, do you want us to be part of the church over here? Do you want us to move? So I cried out, God, if you want us to move, make it really obvious. Make it really easy in finding a job. So at the time, I was a deputy head teacher of a primary school over in Essex. And I came and looked at a few schools over here. And the first school I visited, I really loved. It was a village school up in Watton at Stone. And um, I loved it, got on really well with the head teacher and the other staff when I was wandering around. And um, I then looked at a few other schools as well. And I applied and I got interviews for three schools all in the same week. And in teaching, you have to take a job that's offered to you straight away, essentially. And the school I really liked was the first one of the week. And I went for the interview and I got offered the job. And I was like, that was really quite straightforward. God, I said, make it easy and obvious. Okay, I guess we're moving then. I've cried out for guidance. It was big because it meant up, uprooting Liz and, and little Joshua, as he was then. Not so little now, but he was little baby then. And so we started the job. We had a house that we needed to sell. We ended up not being able to sell it. And it went on and on and on. And we had a lovely couple who were part of the church, Glenn and Linda. They let me stay with me two nights a week so that I could come over, work, stay overnight, and then go home, leave Liz and Joshua back home. And we traveled backwards and forwards. And that, it went on for a whole year, crying out. And it was even, you know, yes, it was a big prayer, but it was in that daily crying out, give us today our daily bread. I need your strength today, God. There's not been a change. I need to keep going. You, I, I feel strongly you've said it's going to happen, but it's not happened yet. Sometimes we have to keep coming back. We got to the end of the year and we'd sold the house and we were moving in. And it all fell through. The people buying a house couldn't afford it. So we were back to square one, starting a new academic year. Nothing had changed. And in that, we gathered others around. David and Jackie were also trying to sell their house and move over from Essex. They couldn't move the other. They couldn't sell their house. So we actually set up a prayer meeting, especially for people trying to sell houses to be part of the church. We called it the Monday Movers because it was on a Monday and it was for people who wanted to move. Yeah, catchy, Monday movers. 
But we would get together and it was so helpful because, yes, we were praying individually, but coming together to pray about a specific need and asking, give us today our daily bread. We want to see the end result. We want to see us move. But in the interim, we also need to know your strength to help us. And it was actually 18 months after we first put the house up for sale that we managed to move in. And even in then, it wasn't straightforward. We moved out of our house. We got here and uh, only to be told it wasn't happening. And we'd packed up, we'd moved up, we'd, everything was in the van. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean it's not happening? Oh, the people buying your house, they're 10 grand short. <sighs> so we, David and Jackie have moved in by then. And I just remember turning up on their doorstep with a suitcase. <laughs> You're like, we've got nowhere to stay. Can we stay the night? <laughs> in the hope that it was going to happen the next day. That was a Thursday. Friday, waited around all day. Got to 3.30 Friday afternoon. Phone call from the estate agent. No, not happening. Still got no money. All right, but we've moved out of our old house. We can't move into the new house. Everyone was stuck. Crying out, give us today our daily bread. Amazingly, I had incredible peace then because it was the weekend and I knew nothing could happen over the weekend. And I went back to school on the Monday morning. Fortunately, I wasn't in class that day. I was at a meeting with the head teacher. And about half past ten that morning... Yes, it's happened. You've got the keys. But then just had this really weird situation for about a week afterwards. Kept expecting someone to knock on the door and say, it's all a joke. It's not yours. Get out. (laughs) But sometimes we have to keep coming back to God on those, you know, it doesn't always happen straight away. Daily bread. Daily bread. So it's in the little things like the parking spaces, but it's also in the big things like house moves and relationship decisions and careers and health issues and bereavement. God wants to hear and we can cry out about whatever it might be because he loves us. We can also ask things for other people and it's good to do so. We can cry out for our family, for our friends, Our work colleagues, people we meet in the street, people around the world. Isn't that incredible? We can pray for people we've never even met. We can pray for whole nations because God is a big God. We can pray for material needs, physical, emotional, but we can also pray for their spiritual needs. You know, I love this prayer that Paul writes in Ephesians. We've got that on the next slide, I think. Ephesians 3. I'm sure many of you read it many, many times. A great prayer and thought, yeah, Paul's a great prayer. Isn't that great? But why don't you use it as a prayer to pray yourself for other people? Wouldn't this be an amazing prayer to pray for your colleagues, for your family, for your friends? For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, 
forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful prayer. You can pray that prayer. You know, we don't, well, sometimes I think we, we, we think we've got to be all imaginative and come up with all these words and things. And yes, God loves it when we just say things from, from within us, but we can use prayers that have gone before as well to help us. You know, wouldn't that be an incredible prayer to pray for the people that you love? You can put their names in there, can't you? I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen Joanna in Kurdistan with power through his strength, spirit in, your, in her inner being. You can put in people's names. So we can pray for ourselves, we can pray for others. And in asking we can also ask for forgiveness, which is where the next bit of the Lord's Prayer is. Forgive us our debts, our sins, the things we owe God, as we also have forgiven our debtors, the people who've sinned against us. Part of asking for ourselves is to make sure we ask for forgiveness. You know, if you, have, if you are a Christian here today, you are forgiven. Jesus has died in your place. If you're not, you can, you can do that in a moment. You can ask God to forgive you, that you trust Jesus and the blood that he shed, the, the blood that we remembered when we had the communion meal earlier. We are forgiven. But Jesus says to, to ask, to keep that slate clean, if you like, to come back and say, God, forgive me. It's not that our relationship is broken, but it, it can be marred in some way. Nicky Gumbel puts it so well in his book, Questions of Life. He says, as we go through the world, we do things which tarnish our friendship with God. Our relationship is always secure. There's no doubt about that. But our friendship is solid with the dirt we pick up on our feet. Each day we need to pray, Lord, forgive us. Cleanse us from the dirt. We don't need to have a bath again. Jesus has done that for us. But a measure of cleansing may be necessary every day. You know, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, Peter said, no, no, I don't need to. And Jesus says, you do. And he says, well, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, you don't need all of you washing. You know, you have been cleansed. But there's that idea of coming back and keeping that relationship right. We need to ask God for forgiveness. So what can we ask? We can ask all sorts of things. We can ask big things. We can ask little things. We can ask everything in between those everyday things. We can ask for ourselves and we can ask for others. And as part of asking for ourselves, we need to ask for forgiveness. And finally, how should we pray? How should we ask then? First and foremost, we should ask boldly. We should come before our Heavenly Father with courageous pleas. Because we're welcomed. We have access. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him, meaning Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Through Jesus, we have access. When we pray, it's not like sending a letter that has to go through the Royal Mail or through the courier. It's not even like sending a text or an email that goes via some cyberspace server somewhere. But we have direct access. We are welcome. We really have God's attention. You know, when you speak, the God of the universe 
the one who's created all things, says, yeah, tell me, I want to know. Nicky Gumbel on Alpha tells this great story about a guy who, during the American Civil War, a soldier had been granted uh, permission to go and seek a hearing with the president. But when he got there, he wasn't allowed access into the White House. He hadn't, had, he hadn't got clearance. No, you can't come in. So he went and sat in a park on a bench and didn't know what to do. He really needed to see the president to present his case about something. And he was distraught because he'd been given leave to go and do this and then he'd been shut out. He couldn't go in. And while he was sat on the bench, a boy came up to him and asked him what was the matter, what was going on, because this man was clearly distraught. And so he explained to this boy, well, this is what's going on. I, I, I need to see the president. I've got a really big issue that only he can help with. And the boy said, come with me. So the boy took him to the White House and they went round the back and they walked straight in. No one stopped them. He walked all the way in and went right into the Oval Office. Abraham Lincoln looked up and said, Todd, what can I do for you? He said, Dad, this soldier needs help. He had access. He was the president's son. He could go right in. And because this man was with him, he could go right in. Jesus makes that possible for us. He says, come, come with me, I'll take you in. We can present our case boldly because Jesus has given us the access to the Father. He's it's like he stops everything he's doing. I mean, he doesn't because he's always, always doing things, but is he is able in being God to give us full attention. So tell me what you need. So we're to ask boldly because we have access and also because our God is a big God. He can cope with it. There's nothing we can ask that's beyond him where he's going to go, ah, that's a bit awkward. Sorry, I like the idea and I'd love to help, but oh, that's a bit beyond me. No. As we just read in Ephesians 3, he who can do immeasurably more. That means you can't measure it. Immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Now, you might have an incredible imagination. God can go beyond that. Your biggest ask that you think, oh, I don't know whether this is going to tip the scales. God can do immeasurably more than that. We look at situations and rightly so in our limited capacity, see them as impossible. But God can do immeasurably more. There's a, there's a man in the Old Testament, he only gets two verses, a man called Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. That's the only time, really, he appears. And he appears in a list of whole bits of names, and then it says this about Jabez. He was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. His name means pain. 
Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. He didn't hold back. Enlarge my territory. Keep me from harm so I would be free from pain so that my name would be a joke, essentially. And God granted his request. He asked boldly of the God that he knew. So how should we ask? We should ask boldly, courageously, big pleas, because we have access and because God is able to. We should ask specifically. You know, if there's something you want God to do, tell him. Don't beat around the bush. Don't make it all fluffy. Tell him. I need a new car and I'd like it to be an Aston Martin. Personally, it doesn't really bother me, but there's someone around here who'd like that. Be specific. Another story from Max Licardo's book about this being specific. Amazing story as well that will hopefully stir your faith. So there was a lady called Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary doctor who spent 20 years in the Congo at a clinic and orphanage. When Helen had been there almost four years, her mother died in labour, leaving behind a premature baby and a two-year-old girl. The facility had no incubator or electricity. Dr. Rosevere's first task was to keep the newborn warm. She sent a midwife to fetch a hot water bottle. The nurse returned with bad news. The bottle had burst when she filled it. Even worse, that was the last bottle. Dr. Rosevere instructed the midwife to sleep near the newborn. They would seek a solution the next day. A solution was not easily found. The clinic was in the heart of the jungle. Help was many miles away. The life of the newborn was in jeopardy. The following noon, the doctor mentioned the concern to the children. She told them of the frail baby and the sad sister, and they prayed. A 10-year-old girl named Ruth decided on her own to take the problem to Jesus. Please, God, send us a hot water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, as the baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. And while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? The doctor was stunned. That prayer could only be answered by the arrival of a parcel from home. After nearly four years at the clinic, she'd never received a single package. Even if one came, who would send a hot water bottle to the equator? Someone did. Later that afternoon, a £22 package was delivered to Helen's door. As she called the children, she felt tears in her eyes. Could it be? They pulled off the string and unwrapped the paper. In the box, they found bandages, jerseys, raisins, sultanas, and a brand new hot water bottle. And at the bottom of the box, a doll for the little girl. The box had been shipped five months earlier. The Lord had heard the prayer before it was even offered. We need to ask specifics. Give God the details and see what he'll do. I'm aware of the time as well, so I'm going to quickly rush through. We need to ask in faith. 
believing God will hear and respond. James 5 verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you believe it? Jesus has declared you righteous. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of him, you are righteous. Therefore, your prayers are powerful and effective. That's what scripture says. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. If you are clothed in, clothed in Christ, you are righteous. Your prayers are powerful and effective. We need to, another way we should pray is we should pray earlier. I don't know about you, but I try and try and sort things out myself over and over again. And after being trying and at the end of myself, I go, oh, God, please sort this out. Oswald Chambers put it like this. We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defence. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything else. Anyone relate to that tendency? How should we pray? God would have us pray earlier. And finally, we should pray individually and together. Yes, we need to pray on our own. We need to do that regularly, maybe using something like Lectio 365 to help you. But also the importance of praying with others. It helps to keep us focused. We can learn from another. We can spur each other on. Grab opportunities to pray together. You know, maybe when you're meeting up with someone from church for coffee, or you're, or you're having a chat with someone on the phone, why don't you just include prayer as part of that? So that it becomes more natural. You know, if you, if you live with your family, why not look at how you can have prayer times together on a regular basis? So why do we pray? Why should we ask? Because we need to. Because God loves our prayers. It builds relationship and it demonstrates our trust and our reliance on him. What can we ask for? We can ask for all sorts of things, from the big things to the small things, everything in between. We can ask for ourselves, including forgiveness, and we can ask for others. And how should we pray? We should pray boldly, specifically, in faith, earlier, and pray on our own and with others. I just want to close with a song that we sometimes sing. The words of the song, What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who with all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Father, will you just reignite in us a desire to pray? We thank you what a privilege it is that we can come before our Father. We have full access to come and present our requests about anything and everything. Help us to, to take advantage of that more and more on our own and with others. And I pray as we do that, we would be changed and situations would be changed. Lead us on, Father. In your name. Amen.